Hello, and welcome to the DMV Business Show, a weekly show where we get to meet local business and community leaders in the DC, Maryland, and Virginia area. They get to impact their story and how they got there. You can expect to hear advice and learn about their journey and how they went from point A to point B. My name is Odo Sevilla, and I'm a commercial real estate advisor in the local DC, Maryland, and Northern Virginia area. I have been very fortunate to have worked with many amazing entrepreneurs and executives from startup founders to international Fortune 500 companies. And one of the things I love about what I do is I get to form these great relationships with some interesting people. I get to know them and I learn about how it all started. And I love hearing a good business story. When I'm not working in commercial real estate, I just also happen to be the host of this show. So please enjoy and welcome to the DMV Business Show. Hello everyone, welcome to the DMV Business Show. I'm your host, Odo Sevilla, and today I have a very, very special guest for you, Sheena Franklin. Sheena is the founder and CEO of Kept Health. Welcome to the show, Sheena. Hey, Otto. What's happening? How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you for joining me today. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. I'm excited. I'm looking forward to to um, talking with you, seeing what nuggets we are able to like glean from each other. It'll be fun. Oh, I love it. Um, before we go into your personal story, if you can give the audience out there, if they haven't heard of Kept Health, who is Kept Health? Yeah, so we are a impact health tech company, and our mission is to provide care for individuals who are suffering from chronic skin conditions um, and diseases, and we help them and the practitioners who treat them thrive. And we do that through our integrative and inclusive AI-powered teledermatology platform, right? So these individuals are able to come onto our platform. They're able to have a dermatology visit directly on our platform, manage their care after the visit. And then on the back end, if you will, dermatologists are practicing on our platform and they're receiving um, point of care recommendations uh, to help personalize the patient's experience. Oh, wow. Can't wait to get into uh, what led you into this business and industry. Yeah, so it's a couple of things, right? So um, I guess we say number one, I worked in healthcare policy for over 20 years here in DC on Capitol Hill, aka like a, a lobbyist person. I'm just going to go ahead and say that. And then um, I started to have my own experiences with finding a dermatologist, you know, who was available because, you know, sometimes it's very hard to get in for an appointment. And then once you're there, finding someone who's really skilled at treating skin of color, but really understanding how to get the to the root cause of what's causing the skin condition to better treat it and then just from my professional experience um just looking at how technology was changing the future of healthcare, i just really felt like cats could be on the forefront of virtual first care i love that so the dermatologist this was you already going to a dermatologist as an adult right mm -hmm. okay okay i was uh, an adult i was an adult adult <laughs> The reason I'm asking, I, I remember growing up, um, I, I grew up in D.C., so I remember going, I think I was a teenager, and I guess it's common, you know, for teenagers, for the acne and all that, um, but, you know, finding the right dermatologist and then getting prescriptions and everything else and following up, and then there would be side effects because I would be, mm -hmm. it wasn't mostly just cream, it was pills I would be taking too as a teenager. Um, God, I forgot the name of those pills, but I think I think it was something popular. Yeah, yeah. 
It's definitely a challenge. Um, it starts, obviously, a lot of people experience conditions um, when they're younger. But as, you know, um, we get older, you can experience different skin conditions for a number of reasons, right? Beyond just acne, psoriasis, eczema, you may have allergic reactions to, to some type of other drug that you're on. But also what's overlooked is that our uh, skin starts to show the first signs of something that's going on internally with our health, right? So it's not just cancer. It could be diabetes. It could be heart disease. It could be, you know, PCOS. It could be a number of different diseases that first appear on the skin. I see. Before we go into the business, if we can just rewind back. Are you mm -hmm. originally from the D.C., Maryland, Virginia area? I am not. I am not. So I was born and raised in Denver. Uh, Colorado, where the majority of my family is from. So um, then from there, I went to school in uh, Atlanta, and then I moved up here, like most people, to go to grad school and to work in the government or work in politics. So you lived in Denver all the way up to college, right? All the way to college, yep. Okay. How was it growing up in Denver? Like, what were you into as a child? Would you, you like doing it in your free time? Yeah, so interesting. <laughs> So I guess like the formative years, like I was someone um, I love to explore, right? But I also love to read. Like even now, like I am a reader. Like I don't know if you ever heard of that book it program where um, it was during the summers. If you read uh, a certain number of books, you would get a free personal pan piece of the Pizza Hut. Like I, I was the queen of like... <laughs> book it. I was like a pizza for me, my cousins, my friends, like that's how much I read. But then as I got older, I got more into dance. So I really liked dancing. And then from there, I got into sports and then I played basketball for the remainder of like my adolescent years. And the basketball was what you think maybe high school, middle school? So I started playing um, in high school. Okay. So yeah, I did. I did. Okay. With, you know, those books, did you have any favorite reading, or, you know, or like a series you would really devour, enjoy? Yeah, like, <laughs> I'm really going to date myself. So like most girls back then, it was like the Babysitter's Club, right? Like that was like the book to read. But then in high school, um, my favorite books that I still enjoy and I have on my bookshelf today is um, A Brave New World. I don't know if you read that book. And um another like science fiction type of book. So like I was really into that. Okay. So more yeah. into the the fiction. Yep. Fiction, yeah. like science fiction, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the babysitters club is good. I, I have a, I have three young boys and we've seen the series and the movie. So. Oh really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's classic. That's a classic book. It is. I don't think they've read the book, but we definitely seen the show on Netflix. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I've seen the show. I'm yeah. gonna have to go look it up afterwards. Yeah, it's good. Um, the reason I was asking, I remember growing up, I was into. I don't know if you ever read Goosebump series. Yes, yes, yes. Um, so I, I was really into that, and um, yeah, it, it was always different. You could choose the different. I think you'd be able to skip pages, and depending yeah, on what you, yeah, yeah, you could choose the different endings for sure. And yeah. you like. Yeah, you had to make sure you were honest because you couldn't like peek and then be like, yeah, I don't want to go that way. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I would go back and be like, oh, I wonder what happened if I went this route. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so like basketball in high school, did you end up playing basketball in college? I know you said you moved to Atlanta for college. 
Yeah, yeah. So that was the intention, but I didn't make it. So I ended up like joining the dance team and doing things like that. Yeah. Where did you go uh, to Atlanta for school? So I went to Clark Atlanta University. Yep. Okay. What'd you major in? Uh, English and political science. Uh, did you know going in you wanted that or did you end up choosing that later on? So <laughs> I, I knew I wanted to do political science, right? Because my goal was to go to law school. And so um, then when we got to like advanced stats, I was like, yeah, this isn't for me. So I'm going <laughs> to switch over <laughs> to reading. And so then I just kind of switched it. Okay. So English became my major. And then political science was like my um, sub major, if you will. I see. So you wanted to be an attorney when you were younger. So I wanted not just to be an attorney. I wanted to be a sports agent for the NBA. That was my original goal. Yeah, oh. so now when I see women doing it now, and I'm like, oh my gosh, like they are so like lucky. I actually interned in college at a sports agency in Atlanta. It was like the worst experience ever. So that's what's like, yeah, I don't think that's for me. Oh, I'm sorry <laughs> to hear that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, it happens. That's, it was yeah. my it does happen. I'm curious, what made you choose back then, you know, sports sports agency? Where did that interest come from? Like, I really don't know. It was just like, I knew people got drafted, right? Mm -hmm. And there was always this person around who was helping make the deals. And they went to law school or they went to business school. I was like, oh, that'd be perfect, right? Because like, I don't have to be in a courtroom all the time. So that's why I was I like, oh, sports agency. So yeah. You finished Atlanta. Do you stay there for a bit after graduation or do you immediately move up here? So I immediately moved to D.C. Yeah. Oh, OK. So you had grad school already lined up? So I uh, kind of sort of. So when I was in college, um, they had a program at GW for undergraduates. And so I had did that. So that was my plan. It was like when I got ready to apply to grad school, I would have like a leg up because I already took some of those courses. So then I just moved up to DC to work and I worked for about three or so years, three, three or four years. And then I went on to grad school. And in grad school, political science again or something? Okay. So yeah, it was it's legislative affairs. Okay. Um, legislative affairs with a concentration in corporate public affairs. So take that, if you will. <laughs> That's a mouthful. So you shifted and did you know then as far as did you want to go into sort of politics or that route or? So what happened was in college, um, a friend of mine, he was a student at Morehouse, which we're all on the same little plot of land. And um, he ended up having a internship at the White House. So he came back and he was doing all these political clubs. So he came to me and one of our other girlfriends who was like, hey, you guys should get involved in this. And then that's how I was like, oh, I like this. So I was more on the business side of politics. So I wasn't like on the street, like Kevin seeing door knocking. I was like strategy, fundraising, communications. And I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. I like it. So then it just well, went on there. from there. Yeah. Cool. So you've always had an interest in business, you know, whether with sports related or even just the political side of things, the business and operations, right? Yeah, but back then I didn't realize that, right? Now I do. Now it's yeah. kind of like full circle. Um, but back then I was all about, even still now, all about advocacy. Like that's like, I feel like my purpose is to speak for other people. Um, so then it was just like merging them together. It was like a natural progression. 
Gina, I'm curious, growing up, did you see, I don't know whether in the household or through other friends or relatives, you know, business or ad advocacy talked about or exposed to it? So both. So um, I have a long history in my family of entrepreneurship. So um, my five times, yeah, five or six times, uh, great grandfather on my mother's side, um, he's considered one of the first African-American entrepreneurs in the country. So he founded a, a business during slavery and then um, he purchased himself from freedom. And then he founded the first town by African-American um, in America. So then it was like my grandmother, she was a psychotherapist. She had her own practice. Um, then my uncle, he had his own like small businesses that he would do in the community. Um, and then my grandpa, like he was like the entrepreneur. Like I call him like the hustling cowboy because he's like from Oklahoma, right? Like he always wore like cowboy boots, but he always had like some type of business. So he had his uh, accounting and tax service. That was his main business. But off season, he would do, um, where he had a bingo, the string of bingo halls, right? So like, that was my jam. Like all I wanted to do was work in the bingo hall, but I didn't get to work like the concession stand. Like I really wanted to do like the nacho thing, but I had to do like checking people in once again and talking to people. So it was still like a progression of um, what I wanted to see. And then by the time I graduated college, my mom had her own IT consulting company. Wow. So you come from a long, long, very long line yeah, of entrepreneurs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you see the good and the bad, right? It's not yeah. all—it's not always the sexy stuff, right? Like there's ebbs and flows. You shut down one business, you have to start something different. So yeah, interesting. That's good. Right? So did, did you grow up uh, working in the bingo hall? Yeah, yeah. So I was probably like eight or nine. So like I said, I wanted to do the the nacho machine. Like to this day, like I love nachos. Um, but like. My grandpa had me checking in people, okay. giving them the bingo cards. And then sometimes I had to call out the numbers while all my cousins got to do like the fun stuff that I thought was the fun stuff. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, yeah, I'm just handing out cards. And those little, um, the markers where you like do the dots. Yeah. yeah that was yeah. my job. Oh, that's <laughs> nice. <laughs> so you come up here, you attend GW for grad school, right? Mm -hmm. you, you're done with that and then you you go head first into being a lobbyist so I did that the whole time so oh. it was yeah so I came up here I worked for a party committee then I worked for a nonprofit, and it was all like grassroots policy and then you know you just apply for a different job different job and you just get to that point yeah and you did that for about 20 years you said right mm -hmm. over over 20 years, but if you include like my first job when I was 17, probably more than that. How was how was that career for you? Well, what would you say are some highlights that you learned from doing yeah, that? Yeah, that's a great question. I've been thinking of thinking about that a lot lately. So obviously I learned how to communicate. Um, I learned how to spin, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Which comes you in have handy. To. Yeah, like learn how to spin, um, to read people, right? Like to really understand what someone may be asking when they're not asking it or maybe not asking it because they don't necessarily possibly know that's what they want. Um, how to negotiate, right? Um, network. Um, and there's just some those hard advocacy type skills that you learn to do, like campaigns, talking to customers, 
um, like your go to get out the vote efforts that then translate to like go to market strategies, things like that. That's what I, that's what I learned a lot of that type of stuff. And I guess 20 plus years into it, you weren't thinking, maybe let me start out my own lobby, lobbying firm. You, you decided to go a different route or how yeah, did so that I did. I did, right? Oh, you did. Okay. Yeah. So my ultimate plan was if I was not going to be able to be in a position where I could be the head of government relations for like a dynamic international company, then I would do my own consulting. But I did that for a little bit. And then I was like, yeah, I'm not meant to be a consultant because I need you to do what I say, <laughs> right? Like you, mm -hmm. Like that type of thing. And so then I was like, oh, I'll do something different um, and I'll see what's out there. I started exploring. Okay. And that's when the idea of PEP came? Yeah. Or, okay. So actually, it was during the time where there was a, a, a data breach with one of the lar large retailers. And I was um, attending the hearing and I was like, well, why doesn't someone just like create a system where this data is housed like responsibly, right? And you keep the you keep the customer or the patient at the center and then everything else works around it. And then you could go into different pathways and to the healthcare industry or retail health. It's really that simple, you guys. And then I just started exploring it. Um, and then I was like, mm, I don't want to do healthcare. So I'll choose skincare, which is still kind of in the beauty space. Mm -hmm. But then once I started getting to the market and we started doing our MVP and I was able to speak to like thousands of women, it was like, okay, we got to switch over to, to healthcare. So I came back to healthcare. Okay. And during this time, are you still also working full-time as a lobbyist or? I am. I'm okay. working full-time at Walgreens. I don't know if I should probably tell them that, but like, that's what I was doing. Yeah. I was still working full-time. Yep. Okay. So you're working full time and then you're holding this and you're here doing everything on your own or did you have some help or a team helping you out with with the side project at this time or the side business? So when it was like a side project, it was just myself mm -hmm. and I would, you know, hire different like contractors to figure out um, like product design, uh, app building, things of that nature. Nice. Okay. When when did the time come, Sheena, where you decided to, okay, it's time to leave that W-2 paycheck and just go full force with the business? Yeah, I wish I had something more inspiring, but I don't. So it was a time, it was a time when Walgreens was going through a big transition, right? We had just been bought out by Alliance Boots and the opportunity presented itself to take a package and then exit the company. And so mm -hmm. I was like, well, it's no better time like the present. So that's actually what led me out the door. Okay. And at that time, you were already how much time into this business? Mm, so I started noodling different ideas back in 2015. So okay. by the time I actually left, it was about 2018. Okay. Okay. And you said it first started with health, but then you sort of went to the dermatology skincare route and then you went back to health? So I started in beauty. Right. Okay. So like just, oh, I'll be in the beauty industry. Um, it'll be a lot easier than healthcare because there's so many hurdles mm -hmm. in healthcare, but I could still um walk that fine line because skincare is dermatology, right? Like it kind of mm -hmm. is that fine line. But then once I started talking to, to more women, it was like we need to switch over into to healthcare so that we can better serve um, the women who are coming to us. 
Now, were, uh, were you thinking like of a skincare line or what, what, or a specific product or more of a service based? Yeah. So it was still similar to what we do now, but now it's our profile, but women were able to come on. They were able to track all of their products, their skincare routines their prescriptions. And then they were able to chat with an esthetician, right? Just for advice. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the advice um, time was being spent by trying to help people with healthcare related questions. But as you know, like you can't help someone if you're not a healthcare provider. So we had to start referring people out to different dermatologists. I see. I see. Wow. So would you say from 2018, when you sort of went full time, let's call it right to now, five years later, has the business shifted and evolved? And if so, how? Yeah, it has shifted and evolved. So, and there was also periods of like downtime, right? So um, at the start of the pandemic, things kind of went down for various different reasons, but a lot of has shifted in terms of incorporating AI. So in the beginning, I was like, oh, I can incorporate AI much further down the road, right? But then once I started getting into healthcare and really learning about AI and, and the data analytics, I was like, okay, so let's move that up off the timeline and like reshift and focus the business. That's great. So how how has AI, I mean, nowadays with, I guess with the whole chat, chat GPT, everyone, yeah. I'm hearing everyone, AI, AI, how has AI helped the business? So for us, I would say it it hasn't helped us right now. And the okay. reason why is because our goal um, is to build out an AI system that can recognize skin of color, right? And so there's not there's not a system out there to date. Mm-hmm. So we had to kind of like pull back again and say, how do we now build this system, right? We have to figure out how do we collect this data? How do we segment this data? We have to find dermatologists to label this data, right? And then we can pull in off-the-shelf data and then take it one step further, like putting on my CEO hat and saying, okay, five years from now, when there's a hundred companies that are diverse, what's still gonna set us apart? So then we have to come up with something else that we can add into our AI solution. So we're right now we're building all of that. We're building all of that out from scratch, essentially. I love that. So I, I guess the plan is what I guess uh, the, the someone you snap a picture on your phone or computer and then the AI reads your skin color skin color is that is that the goal there? So no, but great that's great. That's okay, great. A lot of our competitors do that. So what we do is you come into our platform, um, you sign up for a visit, you scan your um, your skin right, and all that information that, that intake form information from your profile. All of that goes to the dermatologist, right? And so now our AI um, provides those point of care recommendations to the dermatologist on skin of color, right? And then the disease and severity level. Then we also dive deeper and talk about um, underlying health conditions that may be um, causing the skin ailment and then also prescription effectiveness, right? So now the doctor has this holistic 360 view of you from an AI recommendation standpoint, and then they go and make that um, treatment plan and prescription for you and click a button and then you have it on your mobile phone. Ah, interesting. During this time, as far as the patient's communication with the doctor, is it video? Is it phone? Is it email? Is it a combination of a variety of different forms? 
Yeah, so it takes two forms. So we are a synchronous platform. So no live visits. Um, dermatology lends itself to that because it's a visual science. Mm -hmm. So there's no appointments, none of that confusion. Um, and then in terms of like follow-up care or triage care, you can do messaging with it all within the mobile app. Oh, nice. So they download the app then. Mm -hmm. And then from there, they basically do everything. You can do everything and then we help you long term, right? So I know a lot of a lot of times um, when you have like a skin condition, you're like taking photos and make sure like, is it, are these products working or you have notes on those products or you may um, have your prescription and find out there's like a moisturizer or something you want to use. So you can pop back on the platform and say, hey, like I found this new moisturizer. Do you think it will work for me? Is it going to cause problems or anything else? And then we'll be able to say, no, you're okay. You're good. You should you move forward with that. I love this. It's, I don't know if my wife would be happy, but recently <laughs> she, she was having a like white, uh, just, and she was like, I, I don't know what I'm using, or maybe it's something in the shower or, or some yeah. facial cream. And then she stopped using something new she bought, but it would still come up here and there. Um, but it's great that if she had that, she can just snap a picture or something and boom, hopefully they can give her some, some options and solutions to fix it. Um, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That's the goal. Yeah. And now I, I think she used something else and it, it's going good for her. Um, awesome. Yeah. But that's great that you have that. It's just much easier and convenient for someone. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's good. What would you say, Sheena, drives and motivates you today? Um, it's probably just going back to the advocacy part. Like, I've always been someone, um, I would say I had, like, a big mouth. I was just never, a, I was that child, student, you know, employee that was never shy of, like, expressing my opinion on the direction in which we should go. <laughs> Right. Like yeah. for myself, for the team, for the company. And so for me, it was like advocacy um, is really important, especially in healthcare, because we're always telling individuals to advocate for yourself, advocate for yourself. But when you're already afraid, frustrated, you know, in pain, it's hard for you to like fight a doctor every day or a nurse or someone else. So I want to I want to create a platform, a company where people know that we're advocating for you by creating you creating this product for you, I should say, but also advocating for you in terms of policy and how we're moving the industry forward. So you're also working on the policy side of things. Yeah. So that's just innate me. That's just innate to me. Right. Because sure. that's what I did for 20 years. Like you work inside of a big fortune 50 company, you have the policy and you have the business and you see how they, they interlock and work together. So that's essentially what I've built kept health to be. Um, admittedly, I didn't, Going, going to it thinking that way, it just kind of happened because I just knew the pieces worked together. On the policy side of Kept Health, I guess what's going on there? Like, how how is it change or yeah. what? Yeah. So there's two advocacy um, messages or policy issues. One is um, increasing um, access to grant funding for female health tech founders, which is dismal. Um, and so I, I do a lot of like testimony and things on that nature, but also um, um, increasing health equity when it comes to AI development and clinical trials and research, right? Like how do we improve that? So it's directly lined to what our product will be and our services are. 
Oh, that's great. I, I know when you started the company you were mentioning earlier, you wore basically all the hats. You were doing everything. Um, I'm sure it probably looks different now. How how does how has it evolved? How does your team look now compared to before? Well, it still kind of feels like that because we're still we're still still a small team. So there's myself. Um, I have a chief scientific officer, a chief medical officer, um, and then I have someone that does partnerships. Um, and then we have um, our two uh, tech folks. So and we have different um, consultants and contractors sure. um, available to us as well. And I guess for me. Again, I think this is my political policy background coming into play is that I don't envision Kept Health having like this 200, 300 person team. Like I'm used to like these small, nimble teams that can pull people in. So I think that's probably impacted why my team is being built the way it is. That's good. Uh, making yeah. sure you have the right people in the right places. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And plus when you start getting investment in, right? And you're like looking at, you know, looking at the cash flow projections, you're like, okay, I don't see the benefit in spending $2 million at this stage just on salaries, right? Mm -hmm. it's, like, it's a give and take, so. Yeah. Now that you're mentioning that, how are most of the people finding you? I mean, as far as any marketing efforts, how are you going about doing that? Yeah. So for the past couple of years, we've been doing a lot of research. So we've been in a closed beta. So we have several thousands of women, hundreds of dermatologists working with us. Um, and so a lot of folks find us through like word of mouth, um, whether I do a speaking engagement or one of the doctors on my team is speaking or um, women's organizations that I go to. So that's where we got a lot of our early customers from. However, at the end of this year, we're going to be launching um, the first phase of our marketing. So it's going to be like an advocacy awareness campaign to pull people in. And then we'll start more traditional marketing, right? And you think that'll be later this year or next year? So the goal is October, right? Ah, okay. That's the goal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what everyone's working towards. <laughs> that's sure. great. You know, having the business now for several years, and I know you have the experience, whether family yourself and different businesses also prior, what advice, you know, would you give to someone if they came to you and said, hey, I want to open my own business, whatever it may be, maybe it's health, maybe it's not in cosmetics or anything else, any pointers or suggestions, you know, you would give to that person? Yeah, I would say, um, one to just do it right. Like just start small steps, do it. And then do a lot of research, like do like research on the market and then research with customers. Um, that's really, really important because at the end of the day, whether you receive a bank loan or whether you receive venture capital, like your customers are going to be the ones who are truly going to validate whether you have something or not. So that's really, really important. And then the other thing I would say is um, I'm probably gonna ruffle some feathers, but not focus so much on having mentors and mentors and like advisors upon advisors, but get someone who can help you with business strategy because that's gonna be most important, right? And how you have that business CEO mindset that if I have to pivot, if I have to shift, I have to put something on hold, like that's gonna be most important than just meeting with someone every week for an hour to say something you could found on YouTube. Mm -hmm. No, that's great advice. How do you go about finding that business advisors or advisor? I'm not sure if you have more than one to help you with that side of things. Yeah. So I will admit in the 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 startup world, that's been a little that's been a little bit 
challenging for me. Mm-hmm. However, um, once I was able to find two really great um, angel investors, um, one that I actually used to work with <laughs> at Walgreens, he's a former like C-suite executive. So he's been able to help me a lot, right? Like pinpointing me in that direction. So that's been beneficial for myself. Mm-hmm. I-, I-, I love that how you know, you, you never know where you can find help or advice. And I'm sure when you were working in Walgreens for that time, you never thought about the C-suite executive ever even being an mm-hmm. investor in any company you would have one day, right? And all, and we just randomly reconnected. So the other angel investor, he had a group of his friends and he was like, hey, I want you to come meet, do a presentation. So then after doing my presentation, the angel investor was like, hey, Sheena, I'm like, wonderful. So I'm like, I'm going to get that. So, and I, <laughs> so that was pretty cool. I love that. It, it just shows how important it is to, to just have always good relationships with people because you never know where, what can happen. Yeah, like have good relationships. And I'm a big proponent of being yourself, right? So people get to know who you are, right? I feel like, yes, I had this experience, the, those hard core skills, but he knew me as a person to say, oh, this is Sheena, yeah, you know, three days later, like I'm in, right? Because he knew me as a person. Yeah. Would yeah. you would you work back then when you were in corporate with Walgreens a lot with, with any of these individuals that ended up investing in your company? Yeah, 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 I, do. I did, right? Oh, you and did? Okay. Was like the benefit of, I would say, working in government relations, like you kind of get spoiled versus your other like <laughs> employees, right? Because you are you're working with your senior executives of the company, right? So it's a different experience. You're building different relationships. So now when you move on onto different, you know, aspects of your career, like you you still keep running into these folks, right? So um, say, for example, I'm speaking um, at a virtual first summit conference and there's former colleagues of mine from Walgreens, CVS, that I'll be speaking with just in a different capacity. Now, this is totally off subject, but just rem- it just reminds me of a conversation I was having with my wife as far as, you know, being close to some uh, some people in the C-suite and how you don't see that. I mean, there's been a lot of progress as far as with women in the C-suite or, or close to it, but mm-hmm. you don't, you still don't see it. My wife, and I'm mentioning my wife recently was having a dinner with people in the C-suite and she was the only woman there. Mm-hmm. And now that you're mentioning this comment, I'm like, I'm just so happy to hear that it's getting better, but maybe obviously not where it should be. Yeah, I think it's two things, right? It's like increasing the representation of having women on on the on the board, right? And mm-hmm. having minorities like in the C-suite and other high level positions. But it's also the mindset of the men that are there, right? Like I think that's where like you're going to see the most change, mm-hmm. um, impactful change is like them seeing someone not saying like, oh, she... I'll use myself, not your wife, not like, she's just not a woman. Like this is a person that has characteristics that remind me of myself, right? Like she is a go-getter, right? Mm-hmm. Like I can be around her, I could trust her. Like she, you know, she's going to keep me informed. She's making decisions. She's putting wins on the board, right? It's that type of mindset, not seeing me like, oh, she's a woman. Is she going to get pregnant? Is she not going to, like all these different things, right? So it's the mindset of the men that I think. Yeah, no, it's true. It's just about, what do they do? The production, forget whatever sex it is or it is, exactly. yeah, that's irrelevant. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I like that. And she, are, are there any habits or traits you feel that you have that have helped you, whether 
for the business on the business side of things or just personally? Yeah, I will say, um, in addition to me just being vocal, right? Like there's probably of course, yeah, of you, you have that. that vocal, um, being empathetic, right? Like I think, um, as well as being direct. So I know a lot of people don't put those two together, but <laughs> I am direct, right? But I use my empathy to empathize with other people, or I should say, put myself in that other person's shoes, right? Because um, when that person is on your team um, talking to you, they want to make sure they feel, they. everybody wants to feel valued, right? Like they're bringing something to the table, like they're being heard, right? And not just being heard, but you as an employee, you want to see your ideas come to life, right? So like that to me is something that I learned over the course of time. So all three of those together, I think, you know, I would definitely um, not want to trade those in. Okay, that's great. I love that. What would you say is your biggest challenge today with your role at Capped Health? Um, <laughs> there's so many, Otto. Like, <laughs> do you want like intensity level? Let's say um, right now it is definitely all about building our um, our data system um, and to to train our machine algor algorithms. Excuse me, that's that's a high pressure point for me. Mm -hmm. um, and then um, always as an early stage uh, company, um, cash flow, right? Whether that's coming from investors or partners, um, and then making sure this is more a personal one, making sure that I'm building the right team. Like that's really important to me. That's it's, it's a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And for this, Sheena, do you have, besides the sort of business advisors you mentioned earlier, that is that who you go to where you sort of want to just bounce things off people? Yeah. So I have two, two sets, right? Okay. <laughs> So I have that said where I bounce ideas off of, they know me, you know, but then I have this other group where it's like frustration, let's lose, venting, let's lose, right? And you can get down and dirty uh -huh. and then come up with some air and then be like, okay, I think I figured it out. Now I'm going to go to this group and figure out what they have to say. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So the first group where you sort of go all out, is that like close friends or? So, some of them are... I they're not close friends, right? Okay. Like, I think my close friends are like, whatever, yeah. right? Who cares? Like, can we just go have margaritas? Like, no one cares <laughs> about that, right? <laughs> but like, they're, they are business friends that I met along the way. So okay. I have a really great friend from my former life as a lobbyist. And I have another great friend that I met through the starter world. And so I'm able to go to them and just let it all loose. And they kind of understand where I'm going. So that's, that's really helpful. Oh, that's good. That's good to know. What do you know now that you wish you would have known at the start of your business career? Um, there, there is no linear path. Like it's gonna, it's gonna be crazy, right? You know, you have you see all those um, uh, means where it's like this is the path of success. Mm -hmm. I agree with that, but I feel like there's big like blockers in the way, right? And like gaps and valleys that you go in, and I don't think people. Um, explain those valleys enough, right? Like we always talk about um, the successes or we even talk about failures like successes, right? But not uh -huh. the valleys that no one talks about. That's 
wish I would have known there's going to be a lot of valleys, like a lot. I like that you're mentioning this, Sheena, now going into the valleys and that's typical in entrepreneurship in any business that just is part of the territory. That's why many, unfortunately, don't make it. Or after I forgot what the statistics, I think after five years, I, I don't know, over 80, 90 percent are are not in existence anymore. What would you say? I don't want to say favorite fail, but maybe favorite setback that you've had that was big and what you learned from that. Yeah. So interesting enough, it would be failure to raise the amount of capital that I wanted to raise at a particular point. Right. Okay. So because I wasn't able to raise um, that full round of funding that I wanted, we had to go back and think very differently about how we were going to make our company a success. Right. And it was me saying, OK, I have to take off this cute founder hat and I had to put on a CEO hat and get really purposeful. Like, how am I going to build a company that doesn't rely on venture capital? What is going to make us a success? And I had to like refocus, reprogram. Okay. We're not going to launch just full Facebook, Twitter ads. That's because that's what everybody does, mm -hmm. but let's pull back what's unique to us and how can we capture our market better than anybody else? And then get something out there so then we can get our customers and then the venture capital will, will come. I like that. So you have to sort of like regroup and strategize and think about how can we sort of almost bootstrap it without the capital, right? Yeah. So it's, it's I, I would say it's deeper than bootstrapping, okay. right? I think you have to like change your mindset from what you're told as a founder and you have to think of it as, okay, what if I already have this company but my company is failing? Like, how am I going to save my company, right? Like, if I had shareholders, if I had press just waiting to to pound, pound us into the ground, like, how am I going to think fundamentally different about what I'm building, even if that goes against different suggestions or rules of the startup world? Sure. You were just mentioning before about maybe advertising or social media. Yeah. Um, and not get, getting the capital needed to do, or I guess go that route, right? So after this experience, after this event, what did you do next as far as then strategizing and doing, taking things in a different direction going forward? Yeah. So I went back to what I knew best, partnerships. Like, that's it. So I started going through my little Rolodex and pulling hats out of my, my back pocket. And I'm like, hey, this is what we're doing. This is what I need. Um, and then people started to, to come on board and started looking at pilot projects with different um, uh, corporations, which is which are difficult to get. Yeah. But once we got our first one, it was a lot easier to get the door open to get others as well. So it was it was less of venture capital, even I would say less of trying to get my product out there to get that type of revenue is like, how do I get these strategic partnerships and these strategic pilots to get me my products and get me non-dilutive funding? Okay. Okay. That's great. When, yeah. when you hear the word success, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Um, the Bahamas. <laughs> <laughs> like that's my happy place. Like success would be that, you know, at any moment in time, I'm at a position where I could, um, just pick up and go to the Bahamas for like a week and bring friends and family and anybody else who wants to come. That's success to me. You like the Bahamas a lot? I love the Bahamas. Like, <laughs> what was the last time? I'm you like, were... that's where I'm supposed to be. What was the last time you were down there? 
Um, it's been like four years. Okay. Right before COVID. Sure, sure. I understand. Maybe it's yeah. about time to go visit down there. It is now. definitely time. <laughs> it is definitely time. I hear, I hear, you know, the spirits, you know, calling me. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> Coming to an end here soon, Sheena, what, what are you most excited about? What does the future look like for you and Kept Health? Yeah, so I'm really excited about a lot of the partnerships that we have lined up in our advocacy campaign. Um, I'm excited about that because it's um, it's not just about my company being profitable, right? And it's not just about me getting the right customers onboarded and onto my platform. It's about how do we engage the everyday consumer and understanding um, equity, like equity in terms of research the terms of the the prescriptions that you're getting, how effective they are and how you can have a role in that. So I'm excited about that. That's good. Is there something I didn't ask that I should have asked? Um, no, I think you did. I think you're good. I, think you're good. <laughs> okay. I really like the fact that you didn't ask me about raising money. That's number one. Okay. And two, um, like my experience as a woman. Like, I really appreciate that. Of course. Of course. You know, when you're not busy, obviously running the business, what do you like to do for fun in your free time? Yeah. So I finally started getting back to like free time where I can shut my mind off. Um, so again, I love reading, right? Like that's my goal too. Um, I also have started getting into collecting like vintage items, um, just like random things. Um, and then also I've taken this year to, um, travel a lot, but in the U S, um, things that I used to do as a little girl. So kind of reconnecting with the youthful side of Sheena. Right. So, um, I'll be going to, a. I went to a powwow. So we used to do that a lot growing up. We used to go to Oklahoma. So we would go to powwows or just like going hiking, being a Colorado girl. So those types of things. So this year, have you, where have you traveled? Did you go back to Oklahoma or mm -hmm. Colorado? Where yep, I definitely went back to Colorado. So majority of my family still lives there. Okay. Um, so Oklahoma, um, yeah. And then I have some other places this uh, summer. So I'll be going to California because we used to go to California like every um, summer. We would go yeah. to Fresno, which... Anyway, but it's different. It's a different now. Fresno is totally different. Yeah. Um, and then you have family there? No, but oh. it was just like all about where I used to go with like, like my grandpa or yeah. my grandma. So like things like that. Yeah. You, you're mentioning you just started collecting vintage stuff. Uh, is there like any specific items or products that you you like to look out for? Yeah. So like when I first started, I was all like into like gym shoes, right? Like Nikes and like Pumas. But then I was like, nah, everybody does that. So um, now like I like to collect HBCU, like paraphernalia, like jackets, t-shirts. Mm -hmm. I like that. I like collecting like pictures, like glass pictures. Okay. And so I like to go to like um, different little random vintage, vintage shops. Do you do you sort of like flip them? Is it like a business thing too, or is it just no, like collecting and keeping it? Collecting it and keeping it. Okay. Um, and then I'm slowly getting into art. So my grandma's really into like art. So now I'm slowly getting back into that. Ah, uh, nice, nice. Yeah. You know, if people want to learn more about you and Kept Health, where can they go to to find out more information, please? 
Yeah, absolutely. Super easy. You can visit us at kept.health. Um, and then on Instagram, Twitter, all the social channels is at kept.health. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on. It was fun. It was fun. Thanks, Otto. <laughs> of course. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. If you haven't done so already, please make sure to subscribe to the show and leave a review and comment and let me know what you think. Thank you, and I'll see you all very soon on the next episode.